Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, and I am here with George Mays. What's up, George? Hey. And special guest today, off camera, what, producer, they call it a producer, switching the cameras is Chris. Thanks for coming in, Chris, and helping us out, man. No problem. Yeah, I appreciate it. I know George does as well. Yep. Thanks for your help. So we have uh, all kinds of things to talk about today, George. Um, but why don't we get warmed up with uh, some asinine and insane things that CNN has <laughs> published lately? Yeah. You've got something, right? Yeah, I'm trying to find it because they changed the article. You know, you have to. Uh, well, explain. You've got explain a, it. You've got to screenshot stuff yeah. nowadays because they'll just silently come in and change it and change stuff. It's the Ministry of Truth from 1984. Yeah. Uh, so this is an article that I ran across um, a few days ago. South Dakota's governor issues executive orders banning transgender athletes from women's sports. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go into a lot of detail about this. We've talked about it on on the program before. It's it's already insane that men are being allowed to um, compete against women it, in sports. Right? It's abuse. It's it's abuse of women. It is. Yeah. Feminists should be, and this is one time where feminists should be on our side, but they're strangely silent. Silent. <laughs> right. right. Did as, you see? As our, did you see our daughters the, are abused by men? Did you see the the guy who won the beauty contest? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. What, what kind of nonsense is this? Somebody said, thanks, here's what you're telling women. No matter what you do in life, a man will always be better at it. Yeah. It's going to be tough growing up in the world as an actual woman today, in this world, right? Yeah. So what, right. what'd they say okay. in there? They had, a, this, they had this insane comment. What was it? Right. Well, they... Um, so the, the South Dakota governor has issued an executive order um, banning transgender women from competing on women's sports. So prohibiting guys from competing with women in sports. Um, the, uh, the paragraph that I found the most absurd, which they have quietly changed. I'm, I'm still trying to find the original. Uh, says, though the two executive orders signed by Noam do not explicitly mention transgender athletes, they reference the supposed harms of the partic- participation of quote-unquote males in women's athletics, an echo of the transphobic claim cited in other similar legislative initiatives that transgender women are not women. Uh, the orders also reference quote-unquote biological sex, a disputed term that refers to the sex as listed on students' original birth certificates. It's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth, and for some people, the sex listed on their original birth certificate is a misleading way of describing the body they have. I cannot find it. It was so funny. I, I, I laughed when I read it because they had a sentence after that paragraph that said, and there is no consensus on determining the sex at birth right <laughs> yeah there's no like there's no i mean there's just no <laughs> there's just no way you just can't know if it's a boy or girl when they when they're born i don't yeah. know jay there's no consensus follow consensus. the follow the science yeah 
This is CNN. I, I saw the same thing. They've gone back in now and changed the article. Yeah. But uh, one guy correctly tweeted out, this is not science. This is propaganda. Right. right? This is propaganda to push their agenda. It's, it, it, there's, it is not based in science whatsoever. Right? And they're just pushing and pushing and pushing a narrative. And if they push it enough, people will believe it. Right. Uh, the st- it starts to become what truth is. They can shape truth over time by saying the same things it's, over and over. It is It is like 1984. If you've read 1984, you know this is exactly what Big Brother is doing. Mm-hmm. They, You tell someone 2 plus 2 equals 5 enough, and eventually, even though their brain is telling them no, 2 plus 2 equals 4, they will accept the, the truth that 2 plus 2 equals 5. Right. That's what's going on. We're being told over and over and over again, there's no way that you can know you know if it's a boy or a girl when it's when when a baby is born mm-hmm. you have to wait until they are old enough which nowadays that's what 3 yeah. 4 to Who determine knows? to determine their gender identity god has determined that there are males and there are females and they are easily distinguished at birth mm-hmm. it's not, it's not you don't have to be a scientist to determine this. You know, they always silence people who have gone the other way. Like, there, there have been several people who uh, who have actually had the procedures to uh, to remove their biology. They've gone all the way with their transitions and then have right. come all the way back, and they say, this is the worst mistake that I've ever made in my life. And they'll say, like, I was mentally ill, and no one instead of helping me, people just participated in this delusion. And the world is silencing those people. Right. They don't want their stories to be read. They don't want them to have any voice and to be heard. Right. And they, you, you, um, I mean, for us, I think it's pretty easy. We see the nonsense, but for someone who's younger, that's just, this is all they've known. They, they've just grown up hearing this nonsense. Wow. There's no, there's no consensus on, you know, determining the sex. <laughs> and, um, we're going to have to, parents have got to be intentional in, in combating this stuff. We, we yep. can't, especially if you send your kids to, to public school, you can't just send them to public school and check out. Like you've got to be involved in your kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Don't let big brother train your kids yeah. um, and just let them adopt this stuff. This is nonsense. <clears throat> don't, oh, yeah. don't, don't just say, well, I, I trust my kid's teacher. Like, don't do that. Don't, don't be so naive to think that this isn't infiltrating yeah. your your public school. You've got to be you've got to be involved with your kids' lives. You you can't just you can't just let um, the government educate your kids yeah. and think everything's going to be fine. Yeah, and it's not so much the government that's doing this type of thing; it's the culture at large, mm-hmm. and it seeps in through peers and friends. And that's why I say, like, even for homeschool kids, yeah. if your kids have a phone. They're being bombarded with this. Mm-hmm. Like if you let your kids have a, a smartphone, right. um, then they're they're or they have a TV. Like do people still watch TV? I guess some people do. Um, they're going to be bombarded, or they if they go to the movies, or they watch a Pixar movie, or you know it's it's everywhere. Right? Yeah, you can't you can't just check out. Yeah, you have to be involved. It it's almost as if the scriptures already taught parents that you're supposed to be training your child. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. You've got to train them in everything. the The way to train a child in the Christian in the Christian faith is not to just to give them uh, um, facts. Mm-hmm. Like it's part of it. You got to give them facts, right. but you have to teach them how this plays out into the world in which they live, into the real world. Right. Right. Theology is always practical and applicable. Yeah. And so that's what they have to see. It's like what we have here, what God has given us, is a way of life, right? More than it's just theology and things to know. It's a way of living, and our way of living is different than the world's way of living. Yeah, um, you know, we do uh, we do classical homeschooling, and classical education is divided into three branches. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the grammar stage. And that's just teaching your kids facts. Mm-hmm. This would be the elementary school age. I mean, if you think back to elementary school, what did you learn? You just learned a bunch of facts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the dialectic stage. You have the stage where they're starting to see how it's fitting together. Like these facts, they actually, it's middle school. Yeah, Middle school kids, you've, you've talked about um, Drake always wanting to know why. Yeah. Right? Every kid goes through that that stage they want to know why <laughs> they want to know how it fits together and then they have the, the the rhetoric stage which is where they're actually able to to formulate these ideas themselves and mm-hmm. communicate them and, and teach them to others right and this is just the natural development that every human goes through yeah um whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously you're going through those stages right and that's what parents have to do they have to teach them the facts they have to show them how they fit together and then you ha- eventually your kid has to take ownership of it and right. they have to be able to communicate it it's not it's not just what my dad believes this is what i believe and here's why right yeah um and so we need to be training our kids in the way that they're to go so that when they grow old they won't depart from it yeah and that's that's moving through those stages. You teach your kids the way they're supposed to go. That's the grammar stage and the and the you know the 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 dialectic stage. And then when they grow old, they won't depart from it because they have ownership of it. They they have it. Yeah, right. that's right. All right. The second second insane asinine comment from the Ministry of Truth CNN. <laughs> um, I thought they had deleted this too, but they just wrote a different article. But I found the original. It's about uh, little Nas X. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. Everyone knows what what's going on. I think. Yeah, I, I he, think all you got to do is is go on social media and you. He made these. Sat- he made uh, these Satan shoes. Yeah. Uh, so he's homosexual, uh, black man rapper, and he's made some shoes like uh, Satan shoes, and he's got apparently a drop of blood in the sole, uh, the the air pocket. You know, on Nike, but <laughs> right. Nike said he did this. He customized these. We have nothing to do with this. They're suing him, aren't they? I think so. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Luke ten eighteen is on the side, and I right. just <laughs> laughed. I laughed and laughed and laughed. And I think I was laughing. You know, kind of <clears> like uh, when God laughs at the nations for revolting against him. <laughs> right. I, I got to share in a chuckle with that uh-huh. with God because you played yourself. <laughs> right. You got to say to you, but Luke Luke uh, Luke ten eighteen. And the context of that, to me, makes this so funny uh, because it shows the just, it just shows it just it just shows how actually uh, biblically illiterate uh, people are. And so, in in the rebellion, you actually celebrated. Like I can celebrate Luke ten eighteen with you. You know what I mean, right? As a Christian, what's the context of Luke ten eighteen? 
Um, Don't go into a long one. Let's right. Go sh- just very Je- short. Jesus sent out his disciples, yeah. and they've gone out to preach the gospel. They come back and they say, even the demons, even the demons listen to us so you know, we can cast out demons. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall, fall, like, fall like lightning out yeah. of heaven. It's, it's because of the preaching of the gospel, um, the power and the influence of Satan has been... Um, stifled it's been it's <laughs> right. been crushed right so i just got a kick out of that that's on the shoe but listen listen to what uh CN, cnn talks about because i guess it's all part of his marketing campaign he, he has a music video that kind of goes along with this where he's like lap dancing for the devil and some other insane crazy nonsense yeah, yeah. um it's just a, a it, it's and people have justified why he's doing this. And usually what they've done is they've blamed Christians. And mm-hmm. CNN does this. This is what they do. They talk about his his tweet that he sent out ta- talking about how the church I, has harmed him. Yeah, I've got I've got it right I've got it right here. Do you have it? The tweet? Uh-huh. I don't have the tweet. Um he he said I spent my entire teenage years hating myself because of the expletive uh, y'all preached would happen to me because I was gay. So I hope you are mad. Stay mad. Feel the same anger you teach us to have towards ourselves. Yeah. Um, so they say this tweet speaks volumes for millions of queer folks, especially black queer people who have suffered spiritual and theological violence at the hand of church doctrines. That's yeah. what I want wanted to bring up today yeah. to to explore that the way this language is used that they've suffered spiritual and theological violence at the hand of church doctrines. So again, it's the redefinition of words, redefining the word violence, right? Which is means to physically harm someone, right. which is against the law. It's mm-hmm. illegal. So what they're doing, and they're, and they're using the words that like this so off, so many times, they're re- and it's becoming to mean something that it, it doesn't mean, that words are violence. Right. That words can can uh, it's just as bad to use words that could hurt someone's feelings uh-huh. as it would be to pick up a club and smash someone <laughs> over the head with it. Right, right, right. And so this, of course, will lead ultimately to the uh, policing of speech and the development of hate crimes, like we are seeing in Europe, to where preachers can be imprisoned for speech violence. Right. That's the end goal. And that's what we should understand as Christians in America. The end goal is to get to the point where they take away your freedom of speech, and they take away your freedom of religion, because we no longer are able to even preach. Um, as such were some of you, but you were washed, right? Right. You were sanctified, you were justified uh, through Jesus Christ. Yeah, I just I just came across this tweet. I don't know who Curtis Freeman is. Um. But his his Twitter handle is at Dr. Curtis Freeman, so he's a doctor somewhere. People always just really want you to know they're doctors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Doctor of what? What is he doctor of? I don't know. But anyway, he said, evangelical Christianity is the greatest threat to human existence today. It must be laid waste. <laughs> like here's the This is the rhetoric that's going around, mm-hmm. and people are picking up on it that if we claim that the scriptures say that homosexuality is a sin and that you can go to hell for the sin, you're doing theological violence to someone. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're the reason why a transgender teenager commits suicide is because you're telling them that they're sinning, mm-hmm. and they feel this this guilt. Right. Uh, well, the guilt is real. 
like they're guilty. They're right. guilty before a holy God. The answer is not go and kill yourself. That's not going to solve your problem. That's just going to usher you into your final destination quicker. The hope is turn to Jesus. Jesus died for, for sins like this. Right. And Jesus can forgive a sinner. Mm-hmm. And there is hope. Yeah. There is hope. Um, the Spirit gives life. He changes a heart of stone that, <clears throat> that accepts homosexuality and transgenderism as, as okay and natural. It changes that into a heart of flesh, a heart that has God's law written on it and loves God now. Here's how I know this is never about that, that people are killing themselves and we need to, whatever. It's, it's, always, about, it's always about money, power, and things of this nature. Mm-hmm. right? And here, here's how I know that. Because 22 veterans kill themselves every day. Mm. Every day in this country. George, do you think 22 transgender people kill themselves every day in this country? (laughs) No, no they don't. I've looked up the stats and compared them. It's not even close. Do do you ever hear people in the mainstream media talking about how it's an emergency? We must do something. 22 veterans are dying every day. They're committing suicide. Do you ever hear? No, that you don't, because it's not really about caring about people's lives. Right. None of this is. It's the same. It's the same with, um, you know, all the all the COVID lockdowns. Like they they say that we need to do this because it saves lives, but they're not talking about the fact that suicides have skyrocketed, right? Um, over the last year, because people feel hopeless, they they feel isolated and hopeless, and um, their escape is to kill themselves, and no one's talking about that. Right. Even though we're we're being indoctrinated to believe that we're saving lives by everyone staying home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the rhetoric changes. It's they're turn they're trying to turn regular Christianity, which up until uh, ten years ago was not seen as radical by any means. Right. In fact, everyone in the world ten years ago, if they're honest with themselves, believed that. This was uh, uh, was not the norm, not to be not to be celebrated. And then, of course, it was we just want the the right to be married, and we'll leave you alone, right? Mm-hmm. Just let us be married, have our own rights. We're not trying to take anything over or push you out of society. <laughs> right. That's the re- that's what they were saying. Yeah. But of course, now we see all that what is wanted is full blown capitulation and abandonment of our worldview and an embracement of an embracing of theirs right. to celebration. They don't want just to be left alone. They want celebrated and full-blown indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now their rhetoric is being used and if it's used long enough, um, the goal, that's the the end goal is to as that guy said, eradicate lay waste, lay to waste. evangelical Christianity. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> May the odds be ever in your favor. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. So, the, uh, king, the, king, kingdoms of this world. The have one. A, have the a one bad in, track record. The one enthroned that. in heaven laughs. Right. That's right. When the kings of the earth yeah. and the nations rage against him. Yeah. Yeah. He just sits yeah. up there and laughs because he has he's set his king <laughs> in Zion. <laughs> Jesus is king, and you can rage all you want. Yeah. And you can uh, you can do all you can to to persuade the younger generation that this is the truth and that there is no hell. Uh, you know, little Nas, he, he doesn't, he's not worshiping the devil. Right. I mean, he doesn't believe any of this stuff. Right. Th- that's, that's his whole thing is that he is rebelling against the things that he was taught right. in, in church yeah. and he doesn't believe them. Right. 
um, because he, he thought that it was hateful. Mm-hmm. So he's just making fun of it. He's just mocking it. And he's trying to peddle it to other people so that they can mock it too. Mm-hmm. God won't be mocked. Right. Like yeah. you, <laughs> you're, you're drawing breath right now because God is being patient with you. But one day, his wrath is going to be poured out on you right. unless you turn to Christ. Yeah, and in a, a counter, it's it's counterintuitive, but through history, that what we see is try to eradicate Christianity. Yeah. All you do is make it grow faster. Yeah, in fact, that's probably why Christianity doesn't grow well in the United States because there's no persecution. Yeah, I mean the the most powerful empire on the planet tried this once. Hmm. It didn't go well for them. Right, right. Christianity exploded across their empire. Yeah, I mean they would literally throw Christians in arenas and have them be torn apart for entertainment. Mm. And you know what it did? Like, as they stood there and were being torn apart, and they would tell, the Christians would stand there with a smile on their face and saying they'd forgive these people, and then it started to spread to the people who saw that. Yeah, They were like, who, mm-hmm. who, what type of God is this? So yeah. that's why I say, good luck, uh, go for it. Try yeah. to eradicate Christianity. Uh, you know, um, we've, got a, we've got another, I know we want to get to another um, topic that uh, we really want to we really want to touch on, um, but that's a good segue into this uh, this Washington Examiner article. Um, so maybe we can talk about this um, real quickly, and then we okay. can get into this this other uh, this other issue. This was from the Washington Examiner uh, from uh, March 29th, which was Monday. Okay. Um, it says church membership below fifty percent for a first time. Thousands of churches close yearly. And this is from a Gallup survey on church membership, and it's um, showing that for the first for the first time, maybe ever in American history, it's a big um, church membership has fallen below fifty percent, hmm. and uh, and this is this is not just Christianity. This is they're using church as like this catch-all an umbrella term for like. Yeah, all, for all religions. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so the latest Gallup survey on church membership um, said just forty-seven percent of Americans belong to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. Mm-hmm. Um, so fewer and fewer people are attending church, and it's saying even you know, especially younger adults are claiming they have no affiliation with any religion. Uh, the uh, the group with the highest church membership was Republicans. Okay. Uh, at 65%. Uh, 46% of Democrats are church members, and the group, and they're, they're making a distinction here, the group with the lowest percentage of membership was liberals at 35%. So like progressives. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's not surprising. No, it's not. I mean, if, if, everything, is, um, if, if everything is acceptable, right. why, why do you need... Religion, yeah, it just it just goes back into you know America's religion is really right, right? It's like Epicurean. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. The philosophy that uh, we live uh, we live eat today, live eat drink today, for tomorrow we die, <laughs> yeah, right? Right. If all if all there is is today and there's nothing after after today, mm-hmm. uh, then do whatever pleases you. Yeah. L- live for pleasure and whatever pleases you and makes you happy. That's what you live for. That's America's religion now. What's so uh, what's so interesting about this survey is that it still finds that more than seven in ten uh, Americans 
still say that they're affiliated with some type of organized religion. They're just not going. Yeah, that's interesting. They claim to be religious, but they're not. They're not actually practicing right. in a you know a, an outward way. And part of this is because of COVID, all the restrictions right. for COVID. People are not going. Uh, it uh, it says that um, there are possibly at least three churches that close a day in America. It says, while precise numbers of church closures are elusive, a conservative estimate is that thousands of U.S. churches are closing each year. Yeah. Um, so uh, that, that goes into what, uh, what we were talking about just a minute ago. You know, you read something like this and you can become discouraged. Three churches a day are closing. Thousands of churches are closing mm-hmm. a year. And uh, there are churches that haven't met for a whole year they haven't met for a whole year, Jay. Right. Yeah, they're, <laughs> and, they, they're, and that can be discouraging. But we always want to um, to temper our what we see and hear with what the scripture says. Right. Not not live by sight, but live by faith. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so we're we're told that Christ is building His church and that the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm-hmm. So maybe church attendance has dropped below fifty percent in America for the first time, but. Um, Christ will still have his his bride. Yeah, like, it, there's no need to despair. Right. Um, not because of anything that we do, but because God will accomplish His purposes. Right. right. The church is getting better and stronger. Yeah. As this goes on, because what you're doing right. is you're 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 weeding out the chaff from mm-hmm. the church. Like society is functioning in a way to cleanse the church. Yeah. So those who would, you know. Only 15 years ago, even right, you moved to a town, and uh, maybe you're, you're an insurance salesman. Well, I talked about this with another pastor friend, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "If you want to sell insurance, well, where do you go? You become a <laughs> member of the First Baptist Church. Oh yeah, every church in Oklahoma's got one, right? Huh. And that's where everybody goes. So hey, you know, and so connections, doctors, right. lawyers, business people, construction people, construction workers." Um, and it just just it's been that way yeah. forever, and you may not even actually be a real follower of Christ, a real convert, but it provides a social. There's a social dynamic that you need to function here. That that time's gone. You yeah. don't need to pretend that you don't need to pretend anymore. Yeah, yeah. At the um, it's not beneficial right, for you at to the do first that. at the first church that I was a minister at. I was a music music and youth guy, and we had a family that moved into the the town. And they visited where we were the first Baptist church. They visited a couple of weeks. They joined, and then we never saw them again. <laughs> that's not a, that's not hyperbole. Yeah, we never saw them again. They joined and they never came back. That's so weird. It's so, it's so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there there was this. I don't I don't know this this social. Yeah. thing about it yeah yeah um and we were talking about it you're you're going to preach a, an easter sermon uh on sunday but um i don't i don't know if we should be expecting a lot of visitors right like that used to be the thing well i, I, I still i still ran across you know i get i get these these emails from uh you know the southern baptist convention mm. the bgco um how can you make the most out of 
Easter, out of the Easter Sunday, what are the right. things that you can do to make sure it's the most impactful? And it's it's all with this expectation that there's going to be a lot of you know, CNE Christians, Christmas right. and Easter, these right. people that never come, but mm-hmm. they come on Christmas and Easter. We're we're beyond that. I, I don't think that we're I, I don't think that we're gonna see like this big influx of people that come just on Easter. Right. Maybe some maybe some of the bigger churches do. But um, like your average church, I don't know if I don't know if we're still in that cultural yeah time when when people feel like they still have to go well, at least yeah. on Easter. Well, a lot of the bigger churches will be doing like big Easter egg mm-hmm. hunts. And oh yeah, yeah. Giving away guns and <laughs> right, giving away a car. Like come to Easter, put your name in. And when are we going to start giving away a guns? Draw for a car. Jay, when are we going to start giving away guns? Yeah. I've been waiting on that raffle. Yeah. <laughs> so they may get a draw for some. Yeah. No, but I think as uh, COVID starts to decline and people begin to reemerge, they're starting to reemerge. Yeah. We'll probably get more visitors to church because mm-hmm. I think people what they saw in the past year was there's this kind of despair yeah. that that's there for everybody, and people just don't really know what to do with it. So I think there'll be some people show up uh, just because they they want to they want to know there's got to be something better in life than yeah. Well, I, I I guess the point I'm trying to make is we can't wait for people to come to us. Yeah. Like this this can't be our big evangelical moment. Right. The Christmas service. Mm-hmm. Like we've got to go out to them because they're they're, they're not, not coming. they're not coming to us. They're not coming anymore. No. Yeah. Uh, and we shouldn't expect that. Like the lost are not. They're the lost are not the ones who are trying to be found. Right. Right. And, pe- um, and what's so interesting can't, can't about just, it though we is can't just sit and wait. if you invite someone to come to church with you, yeah. Um, they're likely to come. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that stat? Yeah. I find it interesting. Yeah. Um they're likely to go with you. Yeah. So That's I interesting. ask people to come with you. Yeah. Yeah. You had a picture that you were going to show and yeah, didn't show about it made me kind of sad. Yeah. Um can you pull can you switch the camera over? Camera is it three? I think so. There, this is H.B. Charles, who you know is one of my favorite preachers, and yeah. I think he's one of the best preachers in America. Yeah, easily. I mean, you look out at his church, George. <laughs> yeah, there are less people in that church than I, I preach to on Sunday. I think so. It looks that way, and that is that's sad and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the circumstances of how bad it was. Where, where is he? He's in Florida. He's in Florida. Well, that's <laughs> and Florida's been that, doing really well. Yeah, that's what's so like. Just his his tweet is kind of discouraging from someone like H. B. Charles to be yeah. to be with my congregation for the first time in more than a year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they've been doing. You know, yeah. they he may have been doing the online stuff. Yeah, um, which. We know, like the, ch- right. the church is not an uh-huh. online gathering. Right. Um, I don't know why they did that. What their population was, how much COVID they had in their church. I don't know any of those facts. I just know, okay, here's church on Sunday. One of the best preachers, like God's raised him up, gifted him with incredible giftings mm-hmm. to communicate, and he's a preacher of the gospel. Yeah. He's not just a he's not just a guy who's preaching and taking up forty five minutes talking about stuff. Yeah. And there's no one there. Preaching's experiential. That's what people don't understand. Right. It's God's ordained means to help change you. Yeah. 
Uh, it's not just an d- information download. It's and, an experiential thing yeah, that happens. You're, that's, why we, that's why we say you need to be in the room. Mm-hmm. You need to be in the room. And people know this. Right. People know this. Even churches like uh, Life Church, where Craig Groeschel is, is on a screen every every week where wherever you are at, right. at a life church there's a life church just down the street from us mm-hmm. um he they, they don't have a preacher there they've got craig groeschel he's on the on the on the screen but you know what's not on the screen what the music oh yeah that's right they've got live music why because we intrinsically know that it's better to be in the room right yes like you you don't you don't go to watch the musicians on a screen <laughs> you go, you go to be in the room. Uh, why why do we feel yeah. like it's not the same with preaching? Why yeah. why do people say that's okay to to watch it on the screen? Like mm-hmm. you got to be in the room because there's something about being there that is altogether different than watching it on on a screen. Uh, that's why you know we we live stream uh, for yeah, people right. that you know if you're sick or you're out of town for some reason you still can be a part of it, but. It's not the same thing as attending, and um, I'm not preaching to the people that aren't there. Right, I'm preaching to the people who are in the room mm-hmm. because that's that's God's ordained means for the sanctification and building up of the church. Right, it, it's not for the people that aren't there; it's for the people that are. Right, and that's why we encourage people, like, unless you are providentially hindered, be in the room. Right, it, that's right. It's not. Uh, it's it's simply not the same. Mm-hmm. That's right, George. Okay, what what else was there? Well, uh, do you want to talk about uh, what we've been seeing on social media, or you want to talk about the vaccine? Yeah, let's do passport. Uh, let's do. Uh, let's. We're gonna run out of time. Let's just jump into the other thing. Okay. Um, where is it? So let's see if I can pull it up. There's a. This is being. You can switch over to it if you want. Uh, this is being retweeted and also shared on Facebook, and you know it's just out there. Oh yeah, media. I'm seeing it all over the place. I it it started yesterday, and I've seen at least a dozen people. Can you read it for us for Facebook. the people that uh, aren't watching? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So this is a this is a tweet, or well, it's not a tweet. It's a it's a Facebook post. Yeah, and as far as I know, it is um, from this guy. Nick Burleson, mm-hmm. and uh, we can talk about him in just a second. But this is what he wrote, and it's called, uh, it's called I Am Judas. Um, he says, think about this for a second. Jesus knew. He goes into that room with his disciples. He knows he is going to be betrayed. He knows it is Judas who will turn against him. He knows that he has been sold out for a handful of silver, stabbed in the back by one he has poured his life into. Yet in that room... Hours before the death of Jesus, Judas ate too. Jesus fed Judas too. Jesus prayed for Judas too. Jesus washed Judas's feet too. I struggle to fathom that kind of love, a love that would feed the mouth that deceived you, a love that would wash the treasonous feet of the traitor, a love that could forgive even the vilest of betrayals. I honestly struggle to comprehend it, and then suddenly I realize that I'm Judas. And in that moment, I'm so thankful and altogether overwhelmed that Judas ate too. Yeah. And this is from 2019. I, I, I am pretty sure that I've seen this before. Is this something that goes around every Easter week? It's, uh, 
you know, I, I, I can't like pinpoint it, but I, I feel like I've read this before. Yeah. And I've had the same <laughs> kind of response um, that I had when I read it this year. Yeah, everything sounds good here, right? Um, and kind of the and, and there are some things that are true about this. Yeah. Like he does know that he's going to be betrayed. He, he knows who's going to do it. He does. Um, he he knows all of this. Um, that that is all true. Yeah, he knows right? Judas is not a real disciple. It, yeah, he yeah. knows he'll be betrayed, and he knows he he knew way before he went into this room. I and mean, we can look at John chapter six, and mm-hmm. he. He knows that he's going he knows to, he them. knows who's going to be <laughs> right. the betrayer. Yeah. Right. So there is um there is some truth to this. There are um and there is compassion and mercy with Jesus towards Judas. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot wrong with this also. Right. And uh, I think the problem is it sounds real sentimental. Right. And the i guess the sentiment behind it is true that jesus has compassion and mercy and forgiveness for sinners yes even the worst of sinners mm-hmm. i got a real problem with uh him saying that i'm judas too right like here's here's <clears throat> the one to one he did this for judas i'm so glad he did it for judas because he did it for me too yeah i got, uh, I got some big problems with that and it, the problem is also with the conflation of love, mm-hmm. right? Right. God may have a, a love for for mankind, but the but the gospels make very clear, explicitly clear, that God has a, a special love for His bride. Mm-hmm. And so, even in this this little thing that He tweets out, He says, "A love that could wash away the transgression, that or could wash a love that could forgive the vilest of betrayals." Yeah. Um, what we need to know is that. Jesus didn't love Judas that way. Yeah. Now that sounds shocking probably to people that first hear it. Yeah. And how do we know that? Because Judas is in hell. Right. Judas was not forgiven of his sins. Jesus Jesus did not forgive him. And I don't I don't know I don't know, you know, all the details of this guy's theology. Mm-hmm. Um but I do know that there are people that that think that Judas was a victim. Right. That uh, that he was a victim of circumstance, and that um, Jesus still had compassion on him, and and that he is in heaven. <laughs> there are people yeah. that that hold to that, but I think that we can say, if you're only, I, th- use- I think I think we can say 100. percent Judas is not in the presence of God right now. No, he's called the son of destruction by Jesus. Uh huh. In, in John chapter 17. 17, right? He tell he's praying. Jesus literally says, I am not praying for the world, but for all of those who you have given me out of the world. Mm-hmm. And so he then prays for the disciples. He's right. praying for, and then all those who will believe because of the Bible. So he's pray, praying for Christians throughout all time. This specific prayer, he's interceding at this time. And then he says, I've kept them all. All those that you have given to me, I've kept them all, mm-hmm. except the son of destruction. Right. That scripture may be fulfilled. Yeah, uh, John chapter six, uh, verse seventy. Jesus answered them, "Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil." Mm-hmm. Um, later on, he says that it would have been better if the betrayer had never been born. Yes, 
it's kind of hard to to square that with Judas being in heaven right now. If if it would right. have been better if he'd never been born. What we have to understand about Judas is he's not a victim. Right. Right. John three nineteen describes to us um, what mankind looks like, what mankind loves, apart from God's intervention in grace. Yeah. Right. That the light has come into the world. People love darkness rather than light because their works are evil. So Judas is he does exactly what he wants. He's not a victim of fate or predestination or whatever, even though God decreed uh, that he would betray yeah. and that Christ would go to the cross. Judas does the betrayal freely. Right. It's what he wants to do. Mm. Um, and he wants to do it because he doesn't love Jesus. He loves darkness. Yeah. And so Judas pictures for us a man that God lets leaves alone in his sin. All right, he has... Uh, he has uh, the general grace that everyone that hears Jesus preaching has, right? And there are a lot of people that heard Jesus preach, and they rejected him. Judas, yeah. Judas is one of those. But he's found some type of a self-fulfillment in being in this group and being around Jesus, this charismatic leader, miracle worker. And I think probably his hope was that Jesus would overthrow the Roman Empire. I think he's looking for a worldly Messiah, and probably hoping that as Jesus rises to power as this world leader, Judas will rise with him. And when that becomes clear that Jesus is not that type of disciple or Messiah, mm-hmm. um, Judas does what he wants, well, which is to betray him. He loves money. Yeah, he's he loves money. We see this. He's a thief. Mm-hmm. We're we're told explicitly that he had charge of the money bag and he'd help himself. Uh, when um, when uh, Mary uh, pours the um, the ointment on Jesus's head, You're right, and uh, an- anoints his head, what does Judas say? It's an insane insane amount of money. Uh, it's an insane amount of money. We could have sold that. We could have sold it and given it to the poor, but John tells us he wanted to keep he it. wanted to keep the money. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or sell that. Put it in the money bag, which Judas has has responsibility for, so he can dip into it right and then he sells jesus for 30 pieces of silver yeah right um so he's he loves money Mm -hmm. um and he he's following jesus because hey if this is the messiah and he's the king well his his closest people are going to get some of the benefits of that right yeah Yeah. he reminds me so much of of, uh preachers who apostatize Mm. once uh it doesn't work out where they can't use Jesus to make money anymore, right? They've lost all their influence or whatever has happened, and then they just abandon Christianity. Oh, yeah. And then it becomes apparent, well, you just were using Jesus like like Judas was trying to use Jesus. Mm. Um, but Judas, it's clear he's the son of destruction. Yeah. Um, he does this of his own will, and he... Um, is not forgiven. Yeah. And there's and there's another... Betra- he's, he's set up as a warning... He is. Because here's someone who has followed Jesus for three years. He has heard Jesus's teaching. He has seen the miracles. And yet he still is unconverted. He still is an, an idol worshiper. Right. And he betrays Jesus and he ends up killing himself. So it's a warning. Don't be Judas. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be like Judas. But there's a there's there's a there's another person there's that's a- set up. There's another betrayer. Over and against Judas. There's another betrayer there. Right. Um, and that's what we need to make clear here. The only difference between Judas, who is a betrayer, and this other betrayer mm-hmm. 
is that Jesus loves the other betrayer in a way he didn't Judas. And so that sounds, people are like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> right. Well, all, all Jesus does with Judas is let Judas go his own way. Right. right. He doesn't give grace. And that's why we get down to the word grace. Yeah. It's unmerited favor. Right. So if you think everyone deserves the grace of God, you're missing out what grace is. Mm. It's undeserved. Yeah. I would say that this other betrayer is even worse than Judas, though. Yeah. Because Judas... He comes up to Jesus in the garden and, and says, teacher, and, and kisses him. He, he identifies with Jesus. Mm. Like, here's, here's my teacher. This other one says, I don't even know who you're talking about. Three times. Yeah. Jesus tells Peter, uh, this night you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. And he's like, no way. I'll <laughs> never betray you. Yeah. They all might betray you. <laughs> I n- and he's like, I never will. I'll lay down my life for yeah, you. Yeah, I'll die and, for you. And Jesus is like, will you really lay down your life for me? Yeah. You're going to deny me three times yeah. tonight before yeah. the rooster crows. And he does. And he does. Yeah. But there's a difference. There's, there's a, a massive, difference. all the world, all the world's difference between Judas and Peter. And the difference is, the difference is Jesus. Yeah. Jesus tells Peter, he says, Peter, Satan desires to have you to mm. sift you as wheat, right? To grind you up in his hand like you would separate wheat from chaff and uh-huh. you just blow away. Right. Satan wants to grind you to dust, right? Um, but I have prayed for you mm. that your faith may not fall. Mm. And when you have returned, you will strengthen your brothers. So the only difference between Judas and Peter is that Jesus intercedes on Peter's behalf. Right. That's the only difference. Yeah. And so if, if we're Christians, if you're a Christian today, we're like Peter very much, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We're imperfect disciples. We often think we're bold and we're not. We're often cowardly. We often don't tell people about Jesus when we should. Sometimes we might even be ashamed of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and we would, be, we would be like Judas too. But if you're a Christian, it's, it's because Jesus has interceded for you, yeah. his death for mm-hmm. you, for your sins, you're forgiven, and he intercedes on your behalf, so you are kept, so you don't ultimately fall away. Uh, so we're very much like Peter in this story. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this probably would be fine if he just replaced Judas with Peter. Yeah. Jesus knew that Peter was going to betray him mm-hmm. and deny that he even knew him. Mm-hmm. He would he'd take an oath. Right. He would swear that he'd never heard of Jesus. Um, and yet Jesus does. Um, he washes Peter's feet. He does institute the Lord's Supper with Peter. He, he prays for Peter. And that's good news for us, mm-hmm. that Jesus is a compassionate high priest that intercedes for his people despite their, their sin and their their rejection of him mm-hmm. um and that's why when he's stricken with his guilt when the cock crows for the third time and and jesus looks at him and he remembers jesus's words um peter doesn't go and kill himself right and judas goes and hangs himself when he when he experiences the guilt for his betrayal um but peter he doesn't he comes back Right. And so we see at the end of John that, that Peter's back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Acts, Acts chapters one and two, he's, here he is. He's, he's the leader 
of the apostles. He's the he's the spokesman. He's the one who preaches at Pentecost. He's the one that he's one of the first ones that gets thrown into jail for preaching about Jesus, right? And he he ultimately dies as a martyr, right? Um, for the his testimony to the resurrection. And it's that's all, not that's not Judas. And, it's and there's all, a reason for that. And it's all grace. It's all grace. Yeah, it's that's it's why, all. That's why grace is grace. Right. Judas and Peter both deserved judgment. But God gives grace mm-hmm. uh, to Peter. Yeah. And and if you think, well, he should have given it to Judas too. Well, you don't understand <laughs> grace. All right. It's unmerited favor. Yeah. Now the um the um, criticism of this, the question, mm-hmm. will be, well, how do I know that I'm a Peter and not a Judas? Well, these these two men are are presented so that you'll be warned. Right. Don't presume upon God's grace. Yeah. Don't don't be like Judas. Follow Christ. Yeah. Follow Christ. Seek Him. Uh, turn away from your sins and and follow Christ. Don't, um, <laughs> I've got all kinds of crazy stories from the church before the merge. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, there used to be a women's Sunday school class um, that my mom would go to whenever she visited. And so she told me this story. <laughs> I'm so glad she was here this week that uh, this happened in this, this Sunday school class. This was, goodness, this, this had to have been four years ago. Mm. Uh, they were talking about um, what would you do if if someone came in and pointed a gun at you and said, are you a Christian? Well, what would you do if someone pointed a gun at you and asked if you're a Christian, Jay Jones? Uh, I think I'd say yes. You'd say yes, yeah. right? You wouldn't deny Jesus. Well, there was someone in the class that said, yeah, I'd probably lie and say I didn't know Jesus to save my life. And everyone in the class was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> you don't... Here's someone who's... Uh, just would they say like boldly, uh, and uh, they said, "We can't, we can't do that." And her response was, "Well, Jesus would understand; he'd forgive me later." Mm. That's um, that's a that's an arrogance. That's that's presuming upon God's grace. And the story of Peter is not here for you to say, "Well, God will forgive me later." Yeah, later. Yeah, it's to be warned. Because you've got Judas also. Mm. It's not just if if it was just Peter, maybe you could have come you could come to that that position. But you've got Judas also. And he betrays Jesus also. And he goes away and he's the son of perdition. Mm-hmm. Don't presume upon God's grace. Yeah. Don't don't presume upon God's patience that I I can I can get away with this sin right now because God will forgive me later. Mm. Um, we, we're we're warned about that in Hebrews chapter twelve. We're we're told to um, pursue the holiness without which no one will see God. Don't be like Esau who, for a bowl of stew, sold his birthright, and later um, when he he sought repentance but he couldn't find it. Mm. There was no opportunity for him to repent, even though he sought it with tears. He knew <laughs> I've messed up. Yeah, when he wanted the blessing from his father. It's too late. You already sold your birthright. Uh, don't be like that. Don't uh, don't presume upon God's grace. And He is a patient, merciful God. Turn to Him and 
and stop sinning. Mm-hmm. Um, don't say God will forgive me later. Mm. So, um, you know, I, you look at stuff like this and it just gets circulated and it's Easter time and people are like, oh yeah, Jesus is so merciful. He, you know, he, he prayed for Judas too. No, he didn't. Right. He didn't. Um, that's why Judas went and hung himself. Right. Um, don't get caught up in the sentimentality. Yeah. There is a, a story for us to look at and be encouraged. Mm-hmm. It's not Judas, though. It's Peter. Mm-hmm. Look look at, at God's mercy towards Peter and be encouraged that God will be merciful to you if you'll you'll repent yeah. and look to Christ. Um, keep scrolling when you see stuff like this. Right. You yeah. know? <laughs> Don't give it the time of day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I went. I went on to the this guy's church. He's a he's a pastor at a church down in Texas, and on the on their welcome page, um, he has a, a little note, and one of the things that he writes, uh, you'll find a group of ordinary imperfect people that admit we don't have it all together, but that's okay because we believe that God loves us just the way we are. <laughs> <laughs> so that's. You know, I I don't know this guy. I don't know his theology, but that's that's the kind of sentimentality that it sounds really good to our sinful ears. Oh, God loves me just the way I am. Well, then why did He send Jesus in the first place? <laughs> right. If you're fine the way you are, right? Why did the Son of God have to die so that you could be transformed? <laughs> right. God, God, He does love you. He loves you, and but He loves you in Christ. And that's because we forget the whole point of. Uh, what he's doing is he's just not just dying for people to get them a ticket right. to heaven. Right. He's dying. He dies for his people. He intercedes for his people mm-hmm. so that they would become like him. Yeah. He he's progressively going about the work of taking human beings and making them like Jesus. I know a podcast. I think we uh, talked about that. <laughs> did we talk about that last this past Tuesday? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> It's so easy to fall for this hallmark Christianity, mm-hmm. this sentimentality. And, I, you know, I've seen, like I said, I've, I've seen dozens of people either share it or like it. And um, we just need to think deeply about this stuff. Right. But don't, don't just give it a surface level reading and say, oh, that's, that's, that sounds good. I'm Judas too. But really think about it because um, we want to conform our, our, our thoughts to the scripture. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how does the renewing of your mind take place? It's through the scripture. Yeah. And so God's word has told us, um, Judas is a son of perdition. You, Christian, are not. are not. You are not. You've been snatched out of the flames of hell by God's grace. Yeah. And so we can rejoice in, in that. That's good. That's good. Well, thanks for listening today uh, to Free For All Friday. Hope it's a blessing to you. If it is, please like, subscribe, and share. Uh, Pass this along to your friends. It's our hope and our desire that as we kind of talk through these different things on Friday, it's beneficial to you to think through them as well and to understand how should we look at them as a Christian, respond to them, and uh, in the end, how can we uh, become more and more like Jesus? How can we become more and more like Christ? Thanks for listening and thanks for watching.